Are either one of you guys going to talk about balloons? No. Week? Are you? No. no. Okay, so we can talk about it here. Are we missing an opportunity here? <laughs> so I saw a little clip of some uh, Defense Department, looked like a general or admiral or something or other, guy with a lot of uh, jewelry on his shoulders and chest. And uh, he was saying, some, somebody said, why, why wasn't he referring to it as a balloon? And he said, I'm being very careful to not do that because we don't know exactly what it was. It's an object. Um, we don't know what the propulsion system, if any, was on the object. <laughs> it's, a, it's a balloon. And they're just they're just embarrassed. And people they on the be. radio are are saying, like talk radio people are saying, you know, what's wrong? Like we missed on the first shot of the one that was over Lake Huron. We actually had it took us two shots to down it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is ingenious because our jets are probably all made to shoot down things that are moving fast. <laughs> And if you want to invade the United States, don't Just do, do it slowly. with hypersonic missiles. Do it with things that float on the wind. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's what I don't understand. Uh, they said that they use missiles because if they use guns, it just riddles it with holes and it comes down slowly. Mm -hmm. That's what we And I'm yes. thinking, don't we want to riddle it with holes and have it come down slowly? Isn't, yes. that, isn't that like optimal? You know? Yeah. So you can, you can, you can see what it is without it being destroyed on landing. Yeah. So I suspect that these things are, um, I don't know whether they're new or not, but one thing I do know is that the high altitude uh, jet stream uh, favors China and Japan in this regard. Yeah. Because the Japanese launched, I think it was 3,800 incendiary uh, balloons. They just tied them to balloons, launched them up, waited this for the This is during World get. War II? Yeah. And then I think they probably had a timer because I don't know how else they would know when to drop it. And these things would drop an incendiary um, charge. And uh, as an interesting little piece of historical trivia, there are only six American servicemen who are listed as killed in action during wartime who died in the continental United States of America when that happened. Mm -hmm. And they were six guys that were happened to be underneath one of these incendiary balloons that the Japanese sent over. Wow. So they made yeah. it. Yeah, they hit like Oregon. Well, they, they, yeah, so they didn't do any significant damage, but but that's the way the jet stream works. And I suppose the Chinese just thought, well, we'll just keep sending them until they do something about it. Um, you know, it always shot down a UFO and another UFO. And I'm thinking, well, my, my sister, bless her heart, said, do you think there's anything more to this? And I said, you know, Melanie, if, if we're just going up and knocking these things just out of the sky, chances are they're not interstellar spacecraft from an, you know from a civilization that's 5,000 years more advanced than Back us. Back at the mothership, they're going, oh, you told me what we wouldn't need any resistance. I wish we thought of those. An infrared what? Why don't we uh, have rockets? That would actually be kind of cool. These these human <laughs> these 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 humanoids appear to be aggressive and warlike. Yeah, get off my lawn, you miserable <laughs> bastards. Hey, here's a fun fact uh, on, on balloons. Um, and whatever you do, this is very important that you do not try this at home no, under any circumstances. We're trained professionals here. Yeah, not you, and I mean people watching. So I'm going to give you a detailed set of instructions of things that you must never, ever, ever do, ever, because it's unbelievably cool. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and that's why you should never, ever, ever do you this on your own. Should, should parents bring the children into the room at this point? Pro parents probably should bring the children into the room so they realize <laughs> how important it is that they don't do what I'm about to explain at home. So this is what happens when you grow up with engineers. And I was uh, working at the Miami Planetarium when I was 13 or 14. And guys like Phil Trick and Doug Gagan, these guys are 10 years older than me and physics majors and so on. So they showed me 
how to make an actual hot air balloon, and here's what you need. Uh, here's what you should never go buy to do this. Correct. Because, no. Yeah. We know what you meant. Right. So, so parents, make sure that your children never go out and buy at the same time a dry cleaning bag. Dry cleaning. A box bag. of plastic straws. Straws. A razor blade. Razor. Scotch tape. Scotch tape. And a box of birthday candles. Birthday candles. Okay. Now. The kind with numbers on them or just the little tiny just, sticks? Just, just little, little, just little sticky right? ones, I think. Little kittens. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, and it has to be a dry cleaning bag. I thought, can we use like a garbage bag or something? He said, not a chance. Got to be Is, a dry cleaning bag. Can it be a 24-hour martinizing bag? I don't think so. I think it has okay. to be a dry cleaning, dry cleaning bag. Okay. So, here's what you should never, ever do. Uh, you take the dry cleaning bag, and if there's if there's a hole in the top for where the, yeah. the hook goes through, you know, yeah. seal the top. Just tape it up. Right? Put that aside. Then you take the straws and you, you, you kind of crink one end of a straw and stick it into the other end of the straw so you've got something that's two straws long. Wrap that up with tape at the seams there, right? Then you take you do that twice. And you take the two sets of straws and you set them at right angles to each other and you tape that up. So now you've got basically a two-straw right two radius. And this, right this is going to be the frame for the base of the balloon, I'm guessing. You yeah. getting ahead of me. So that so now you've got the stable kind of a cross, right? It's two each each arm is two combined straw lengths long. Then you take the razor blade and you go to the top of the straws, you nick little X's there, tiny ones, little X's, probably five or six down a side. Five or what six do you mean down the a top side of the straws. You mean you're laying it so on the ground? Lay it flat, right? Okay. Pick pick which side is up, doesn't matter. Lay it on the ground, and then on the top of those things you make, let's say six or whatever. Little tiny little you just want to just put a little nick in it, right? Well, I just want to make sure for precision's sake for the people not making this at home right now. Right. Yeah. Good. Right. Then, then you take the birthday candles and insert them into that little tiny little slot there. So now you've got probably, let's say you have six on a side. So you've got 24 candles that are sitting upright. We haven't lit anything yet. Then you take the air, uh, you, then you take the dry, no, no, could ever, because this should never be done. Then you take the dry cleaning bag. And, and you basically, you don't have to inflate it, obviously, but you basically put it over there and you tape the four corners of this cross thing to the bag. Right? With me so far? Yeah, we so, are. So basically, it's open at the bottom, but it's got a- Open at the bottom. Okay. That's right. It's, and it's got this, and, and, and where each one of the four arms connects, would, would, whether it connects to the bag or not, you tape it to the bag on those four points, right? Okay. And make sure it's relatively secure. And then whatever you do, don't go outside at nighttime. No. And uh, on a on a relatively windless night, don't go outside at nighttime and light all of those candles in your tightly because packed HOA development community. Precisely, <laughs> because if you do, this thing will just inflate and it will just keep going. It will not stop. We can you promise it'll be shot down the by the U.S. military? I can't promise it will be, but I can promise you it'll be worth the effort. It was the coolest thing I ever saw, which is why you should never, ever, ever do this. No. Kids. Uh, now, I have to, it's important to say that I did this in Miami, where it rains every 20 minutes. If yeah. I did it, I, I wouldn't, seriously, now, dead seriously now, I wouldn't do it in California, not not in L.A. Yeah, anyway. I wouldn't do Maybe it out here in the desert either. someplace. My neighborhood's made of kids. Because there's a, there's a genuine the fire risk. Yeah. 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 But, but out in the desert or something like that, so... That's actually serious, right? But that could be a lot of fun. We would launch these things, and we just watch them go. And then one got blown a little in the direction we weren't planning on, and then it's 
<laughs> True story. Uh, I used to go to uh, some... Sorry, I'm not finished. Oh, wait, sorry, wait, sorry, wait, sorry. No, no, no. I'm not finished. I oh, just God, remember the details. Can... <laughs> we had so much fun. I pity these poor, poor kids today. So we're on the roof of the Museum of Science in Miami and at, the, uh, at the Southern Cross Observatory. And we see this balloon starting to drift over to US-1, which is just the, the museum bordered US-1, relatively, you know, six... Three lanes in each direction, relatively busy road. And oh crap, that's not good. It's heading over US one. And the bag caught fire. <laughs> and these raining globs of plastic came down on somebody's hood. Oh no. <laughs> and we were terrified. We closed the observatory, oh, went inside, yeah. started opening books, you know. I was just here studying my yeah, Bible. You I don't know what you're get talking inside. about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel oh, like yeah. I feel like there should be we should be interrupted by a commercial from an attorney that said, "Have you ever been driving down the highway and suddenly globs of plastic rain down <laughs> on the hood of, of your flaming car? Flaming plastic rain down from from the sky over? <laughs> if so, you want to call the law firm of Parker and Larry H. Parker? That's I'll it. fight for you. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's our balloon segment for well, uh, for right angle. No, actually, I, 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 I have an addition. Oh, oh, more, but, more, wait, more, I, there's I have more. an addition. I, I used to, on occasion when I was a kid, get dragged to balloon races out of uh, Forest Park in St. Louis. It was still a big deal then. And maybe, maybe it still is. It was really cool. You didn't really see much other than people, you know, and then taking oh, yeah. off and floating away. You know, we never saw the end of these things. Um, but this was a family thing because my great grandfather, who I, I never got to meet, he, he died pretty young in the, in the forties. Uh, he and his family were actual balloon racing people and he almost drowned in a hot air balloon not in a wow. crash in a river or something but he was a kid and they're they're caught in a storm ballooning and the basket fills up and he's little and i don't know if it's still there but at the uh, the baggage pickup area at lambert field the the airport in st louis they have this long mural of the history of air flight in St. Louis. St. Louis was, and, I, and still is, a, a big aeronautics town. And one of the first sections on that mural was, or, or is, my great-grandfather almost drowning in a hot air balloon. <laughs> For those of you at home who are wondering how you can possibly race balloons, turns out you can. Yeah. Uh, once the balloon goes up into the air, it's going to be uh, subject to the prevailing winds, but the wind strength is, is a gradient. It's going to be different, different, miles per hour at different altitudes generally going in the same direction you go high enough it'll change direction so basically balloon racing is is the ability to to just by the seat of your pants figure out what altitude is moving the fastest in the direction you're you know racing a guy and and adjust your inflation accordingly by controlling the the heat my guess is that the seat of your pants device these days costs roughly seven thousand dollars and connects oh no it's it's seven hundred thousand (laughs) dollars that's just to study the problem it's a gyro stabilized uh you know pressure sensitive uh that's like saying you go taking all the fun out by putting your boat in the water and getting a rod with a hook on it no it's not how it is anymore (laughs) yeah people would say you know when i was taking flying lessons they'd say you just use the mark one eyeball on that one that's uh, what instrument do you just use the mark one eyeball <laughs> anyway, uh, for our members who are watching this, this is a members-only show. I, oh yeah. I, I hate to no, I hate to do this, but I'm going to take what we're doing right now and chop it out because we have to have a balloon segment. Must have balloon segment. <laughs> cannot yeah. talk about. Sadly, can't, cannot put it. Sadly. So so. But we'll, while, we the, can... while the rest of the show is for our members only, we're going to take this little bit out and make and, it available for that... the public. So you can realize how much fun you're not having by not being a member of BillWhittle.com. So let me just say this though about the balloons. <laughs> um, 
I must have seen too many Tom Cruise movies because to my way of thinking, if there's a balloon over the United States, then some big plane with a with like a cow catcher on the front of it flies by and just scoops it out of the air and then <laughs> and then takes it down. Like I'm like, why do we have to shoot it down? Can't we just snag it? I mean, they've been doing that in the Absolutely. movies since the 1930s. Yeah. Well, the first generation of American spy satellites, the Corona program, we didn't have we had we had good enough lenses and we had good enough camera and we had good enough film but we didn't have good enough digital we had no yeah, digital technology no digital. television image coming back didn't look like it's you know, taken through a through a pinhole so what they had to do on the first generation of yeah. satellites was they had to eject the, the the film canister this thing would re-enter the atmosphere pop a parachute and then some kind of plane probably a c-130 or something like that had like whiskers in the front just these wide wires and this thing would fly right through the through the parachute shrouds Drag this thing along, That's awesome. and then and then land. By and the then way, and then they get down and they and they take it to thrift drugs and they put it in a little envelope and they mail it off and then two weeks later it comes they, back. They get the film back. Scott, I don't I know. I don't know how this happened, but you said too many Tom Cruise movies. Now keep in mind, there's no audio in the room. I, I hear you all through the little thing in my ear. You said too many Tom Cruise movies, and from downstairs where she's working on the sofa, my wife hollers up, "Shut your mouth!" There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> Here's our last little balloon story from uh, talking about older Sorry, technology. Melissa. I forget the name. I want to say maybe it's the Hellerman or the Hiller Rescue System. It's something like that. So before helicopters became a thing, they they had a problem with how they're going to get down pilots out of behind enemy lines. You get yeah. shot down behind enemy lines. This is mostly after. In fact, I'm quite sure this is completely after World War II. So in the early years of the Cold War, before we had you know helicopters going in to get guys out, guys pilots behind the line. What the hell are you going to do? How are you going to get these guys out? So this Air Force guy rigged something that's actually pretty simple. would fit like in a, you know, it's a decent-sized package. But basically all it is is it's a harness that you put on. It's, it's got a, a, a gas canister. would have to be helium, I guess. And it's got, a, it's got a, a relatively small balloon and a long, long, long cable, right? So you're down behind enemy lines. You put the harness on. You pop this thing. The balloon goes up. The balloon is never, ever intended to lift you off the ground. It's just designed to go up couple hundred feet and once that thing was up an aircraft would come along and you would you would sit like this facing away from the if, if the planes coming this way you're facing away you'd sit like this and the plane the plane would grab the top of the balloon and then and then the rope would pull you off the ground holy cow and and it, they, they tested it a bunch of times and it worked a bunch of times and my primary instructor in helicopters was a former vietnam pilot he told me. He said, "He said they saw, but he said they saw test footage of this once. The <laughs> guy sitting there on the ground, like and, and, and a close up, and the, and the thing catches him and pulls him. And he says to me, Bill, there were there were vortices coming off of his toes.'" <laughs> <laughs> He thought that was the funniest thing in the world. I think this I is, too. the existence uh, just, of that system is what accelerated the development of the helicopter. Uh, yeah, and yeah, just, yeah. just waiting there like this, but, never knowing when the sudden tug is going to come that is strong enough to pop you up into now, the sky. I, certainly there was elastic. I, I don't think it was like a bungee thing, but there's certainly enough there elastic. Had to be some, it wasn't, there, yeah, it would be in half. Yeah. Yeah, not literally. And here's the sickest, craziest, nuttiest part of it all. Like I said, they tested it a bunch of times. Uh, there may have been one fatality. I think they probably tested six, seven times or something. 
But I always wanted to do that, and I still do. If I had an opportunity to, to use that, I think they called it Skyhook, but it actually had a name like the Hiller or something. Skyhook something is what risky. they called it in the uh, Batman movie. Yeah, I would, yeah, I'd love to do that. I think that'd be a Oh, it would be a great amusement park ride. I, would. I have just started a crowdfunding campaign to make that happen, Bill. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Please use GoFundMe, though. They'll find out we're conservatives and shut it down. <laughs> so anyway, I, just, I think it is... Um, it's it's a delicious story for the media in the sense that there's so much mystery around it, uh, you know, that you can't really precisely say what's going on. And because of the obtuse way that um, that either scientists and or military officials speak, being intentionally circumspect about how they express what's going on. So that the just object. adds to the to the intrigue of it all. And, uh, you know, this could have been going on for all we know for years because apparently NORAD didn't have their system dialed in to detect those kinds of objects. So it was it was like apparently radar isn't just something where you flip the big breaker switch and it's on or it's off, but you can actually dial that in to detect certain things at certain altitudes made of certain <coughs> materials and things like that. So they weren't even scanning for balloons. Our ships and our F-35s have the most amazing radars ever devised by man or beast, but our ground-based stuff that's supposed to protect the continental United States, the youngest of it, the newest of it, uh, debuted in the 1980s. Uh, We haven't taken continental air defense seriously since the Cold War ended, and uh, I think that's got to change. Last thing on this topic before we go back to our members only, members only, members only. you were talking about Air Force and, and official government language. Uh, when I did my series on the Cold War, which is coming out on video with Daily Wire, we did it as an audio podcast, but we shot the video segments coming out. Nice. My favorite chapter by far was called uh, Cloaks and Daggers, and it was about espionage during the Cold War. And the heart of that story is the most amazing, certainly one of the three most amazing true stories I've ever heard. And it was, about, I won't get into the details, but basically a Soviet a missile sub sank in the middle of the Pacific, 16,000 feet down. And we were able to determine where it was and the Russians weren't able. So we decided we were going to build a ship and raise this thing up off the bottom of the floor, 16,000 feet down. They had to construct a special special ship. It was a Glomar Explorer. Howard Hughes, and they right? Got, and they got Howard Hughes to, to say that it was his project, that he was scooping magnesium nodules off the floor of the ocean. Of course he is. And, and, and they got Hughes to cooperate because the press thought – well, only person nutty enough to do this is Howard Hughes, right? Yeah. So, so they conducted this top secret operation, not only in full daylight, but in front of press cameras, right? Yeah. Here's here's like here's like hundreds of cameras watching the Glomar Explorer sailing out to scoop magnesium modules off the floor of the Pacific when he's not doing anything like that. And what a great so, way to keep a secret by doing so it this completely. Is, that's publicly. exactly right. And as a matter of fact, when when the Glomar Explorer was on station over the sub, I want to say it was K-127, um, when it was on station over the sub and it was lowering this giant claw down to pick this thing up, there's a couple of Soviet boats that were that were trailing, little, you know, like fishing boats essentially, trailing the Explorer. And these and these Soviet Navy guys are radioing back. Like, the ship's just standing here. It's, right, it's not far from where we think we lost the sub. Said, Don't be ridiculous. It's Howard Hughes. This is what the Soviet naval yeah. authorities came yeah. back, right? So anyway, the reason I bring this up is because because that that particular operation generated something that's called the Glomar response, and you've undoubtedly heard it before, but something to the effect of 
This guy was asked by Congress, and I'm, I, I don't know the details of the story, but the, the gist of it is correct. So somebody's like asking this, this guy, a CIA guy, he says, was the Glomar Explorer a CIA operation? And the guy gave the Glomar response, which is, uh, which is I can neither confirm nor deny that that is, uh, in fact, the case. I can neither confirm nor deny that that is, uh, in fact, what the, what the Explorer was. And I thought, that's just perfect language. <laughs> the vodka not, pundit response did you, did you is, commit, I'm too drunk did you commit, to remember. That, that's much better. <laughs> did you commit perjury? No. Too drunk to but remember. But it was a thing. I said, I cannot confirm nor deny that, uh, that this was one of, our, one of our babies. What an amazing story that is. I can neither commit nor not commit mer- perjury. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you got to use that on every single congressional hearing. That's right. Are you aware of the fact that, 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 that there are 16,000 illegal aliens coming through the border every hour? I can neither confirm nor deny that I'm aware of that information. <laughs> Reminds me of Martin Short's character doing those interviews. <laughs> Nathan Firm. Thurm. Nathan Firm. Thurm. I know that. Yeah. What? Why don't you, don't you think I know that? that? <laughs> of course I know. Is it me? Okay, so this is the end of the balloons. Um, More to come, no doubt. Because Mm -hmm. my guess is, if this is some program of the Chinese or the Russians or the Chino-Russians or whatever, uh, they've already launched some balloons in the intervening time before we started shooting them down. So there there may be balloons that were already on the way that we don't even know about. We better get some money going because we are falling behind in this balloon gap. <laughs> That's right. Who had Nana proven right on their uh, 2023 bingo card? America's strategic latex reserves have gone woefully <laughs> short. Oh, I'm, I'm long on Mylar. <laughs> oh, God. All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> now At least we'll get... ours say greeting from America on them. You know, the freaking commies. <laughs> That's right inhospitable bastards if they had flown low over like the southern united states they'd be riddled with holes (laughs) (laughs) if people just knew where it was that's right we'd figure out a way we just just amateur rocket guys would figure it out you know (laughs) yeah they'd be full of estes rocket holes that's right 17 stager an explosive shotgun shell at the top Probably work perfectly. I now, saw a uh, a two panel meme the other day. The first the first panel was R two D two and C three PO and three PO saying R two. I think we're in Tennessee, and and the the second panel was uh, uh, in a very similar pose as C three PO and R two D two, a uh, copper and uh, silver still that they've been converted <laughs> into. Well, and, and let me just put this uh, this proviso at the end. And the off chance that this is actually something horribly serious, uh, this video will disappear from the internet and there'll be no evidence that it has ever appeared. We will neither confirm nor deny that That's this video ever appeared on YouTube. <laughs> we need to get one of those little men in black things. <laughs> After every segment. Exactly. And that's the end of this segment, I think. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for watching Right Angle. And for Steve and Bill, I'm Scott. We'll see you next time.